This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. And now, Hands on History with Heather. Hello, and welcome to the Hands on History segment of Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. My name is Heather Darcy, and I am delighted to be joined by Rebecca Lyon today. She is a historical playwright. Welcome, Rebecca. It's so nice to have you. It's lovely to be here, yes. What do you do exactly? I'm a playwright, and most of my work is for children and young people. And I focus on the history of the local area or history that they happen to be studying in school. And my work sort of aims really to to share share knowledge and to engage these children in their past and to spark their curiosity. So what age group do you aim at? Usually I write for seven to 11 year olds. So they're still curious. They're still having lots of silly fun, but they're they're really expanding their knowledge to different areas. What sparked your interest in writing historical plays? At university, I did English and history. I read English and history for my undergraduate degree. And then I read Shakespeare and literary influence um, for my master's. And I've always loved the theatre and I've always loved history. And I guess thinking about moments that stick in my mind as a as a child I think being involved in plays and in the theatre those can be such magical moments for children and when you get that magic combined with what you're studying at school it can really bring that to life and so that's um and when I had children of my own I I thought wow, this is a wonderful opportunity to to bring together those two world, worlds of, of theatre and history. What was your first historical play? My first historical play was, was called Boss Boudicca. And it was a, um, a play about Boudicca, who is one of our sort of national heroines, I suppose, um, the Celtic leader of the Iceni tribe who stood up against the, the Roman invasion. And... It's a very complex and very nuanced story, and it's a very sad story in many ways, and it's a story of warfare and invasion and and some terrible, terrible things. My take on it, if you like, was that I wanted to create something for children so that they would understand the facts and figures that they'd know for their studying, but at the same time, they could take away something that was relevant to them, things like standing up to bullies, 
working with people that are not necessarily in your tribe and also having some some fun but having a hint of of the complexities of our of, of our of our history and obviously you know you don't want to it want it to be an enjoyable experience but i think as they're learning empathy and curiosity and research i wrote that in response if you like to other ways of presenting Boudicca to children, which were either very, as, as though she was a very nasty, uh, bossy, horrible, wild person, or that she was a, a very black and white type heroine and uh, sort of glorifying uh, glorifying warfare, if you like. And neither of these things, I thought, oh, I think these these kids can can cope with something a little bit more more subtle and more gentle. And it kind of depends on your, uh, your, the children involved, um, because you have to centre them and their, their particular needs. But I thought, oh, this is a way that I can do this uh, that might be of use to teachers in the classroom or community practitioners. How do you, how do you prepare for writing a play, like from a, from a historical perspective? So I like to read as much contemporary scholarship as I can. I'm not a, an academic, so I'm not able to read um, primary documents and I would certainly be lost when it came to uh, partic particularly expert um, articles, etc. But the wonderful historians that we have that publish accessible books that someone with a, a general reader with an interest in history like myself can read I will devour those as a lot of uh, a lot of your listeners I'm sure do as well and what I do is I think about the particular um, age of the children that I'm uh, writing for and I think what do they need to what do they need from this and then rather like E.H. Carr um, in his book when he's comparing what is history when he's comparing a historian to a fishmonger, selecting their facts and, uh, and you know, putting them on display in their shop. I will, I will think about what sort of narrative arc I want to create and select characters, incidents, dates, events and battles, or, you know, what it, whatever it may be, to create an arc where characters go on a journey, uh, characters learn, characters overcome obstacles and work with one another to uh, to reach the conclusion now of course that may be seen as rather a you know a, a simplistic or trite or moralistic um, way of looking at history but um, I do believe that even if you don't have a, a simple moral of the story that when you're writing for children it needs to be moral if you see what I mean yeah and yeah. Yeah, and um, and without sugarcoating things, shall we say, there are ways of talking about our past, even the horrendous stuff, which can be not spun positively, but talked about in a way that is thoughtful and hopeful and can give children real knowledge, but some uh, some optimism as well. <laughs> 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, and how to relate to the characters in the plays Uh, or the historical figures in the plays, too. 100%. Mm. What has been your favorite play to write? I, oh, that's a really good question because I do have a lot of fun. I really do recommend writing for children because it's really fun. I think my favorite play, well, there's two, actually. I'm cheating. So my favourite play to write was a play called Alice and the Empress, which was all about um, Empress Matilda, the uncrowned, well, the first lady of England, um, if you like. And And she was back in about the 12th or 13th century, right? Yes, yes. And um, and she was absolutely amazing. And there's a wonderful book about her, several wonderful books about her published by really wonderful writers as well as historians, which is wonderful when it happens. And I wrote a story about her and a sailmaker's daughter. And the tale follows um, this ordinary girl and her journey uh, alongside uh, Matilda's as well. Well, and Matilda, she married the uh, one of the Holy Roman emperors. And so she actually went and lived outside England for a while. And that was part of her struggle. Yes. Does, yes. does And Alice is the sailmaker's daughter. Yes, that's right. And I wanted to include a working, uh, it's important for me to include working people and working class characters, because that's also such an important part of our history and something that people can relate to, and that ordinary people can have extraordinary contributions to make to um, to society. Yes, and the, the second play that I absolutely adored working on was um, for a local theatre group. Um, about a town which not wasn't so far away from me and we all know that our when we start digging into our the history of our local areas we find so much fascinating material and so many wonderful stories about all sorts of people and the children really um, grabbed these anecdotes and tales of their town and ran with them and they thought they were absolutely wonderful we had a Victorian, uh, one of the characters was a Victorian mayor and the current mayor of the town came to see the show and he was he was great. And um, to, so the children had this real sense of their history, their town, their their representatives as as being truly theirs. Do you work frequently with historical actors then? I have done. And it's one of the wonderful things that we have over here. I'm not sure how popular it is in the US, but there are plenty of people here who engage in historical reenactment or costumed uh, interpretation. And some of them are professional actors. Some of them are members of the community who have a love of history. And I've written several plays um, for them specifically. So they might say to me, oh, we're really interested in um, Anne Herbert, uh, who was a lady-in-waiting to many of the queens of Henry VIII. Of course, all your listeners will know this, but um, uh, yeah, so I wrote a play about her. And with a, with a, and my history sort of has a light touch, you see, and that's because, you know, I don't really take myself very seriously. But, and, and every, but everybody who has a, 
a historical passion will have certain characteristics in their own personality that they can use to present history to others in, in their own unique way. So yes, I love writing for community groups who are not necessarily professional actors. And it's it's interesting because when you're writing for children to perform, you have to center your, your whole main purpose is to make a show that these children will remember for the rest of their lives and will have a wonderful time doing it. So uh, one it avoids topics that might be upsetting or one avoids topics that uh, you know, avoids having characters that are very villainous or very scary. But with adult actors, you can have you have a bit more freedom. Um, but again, with a community group rather than professional actors, again, it's it's centering the experience of the performer so that they can feel confident in their their role as a as a conduit for history, if you like, and and present that to their their audience. It's a little bit different when I'm writing for professional actors, because then, because they're trained to do all this, um, all the magic, all the all the arts of the theatre, um, you can focus more on the audience. So if I'm writing for professional actors, I will say, what do I want the audience to feel? Do I want them to feel inspired, empowered, um, scared, surprised, shocked? And then your actors they use their incredible skills to bring to life the words on the page and to create that that magic, which is part of um, why I love the theatre so much. That it's almost like um, uh, people say that that libraries are, are time machines and and books are you know wonderful avenues that we can talk, uh, be telepathic and and uh, travel the world and uh, travel our universe and history uh but and then the theater is a similar type of you know magical um element and interestingly i think uh writing plays is so i love it so much because there is an element of some of the ritual that was perhaps more part of life in days gone by that you still get in the theater so you know that element of ritual and moving the audience and uh, empowering the actors is really really central to what I do and why I love it. How do you determine what to write about next? That's the thing about history isn't it there's so flipping much of it (laughs) Um, Mm. and for me I might have a commission from a, a local theatre or a local school saying we'd like a play about this because it's local to our area or this because the children are studying it at school and they want something to to bring it alive. But if I'm if I'm uh, writing something uh, uncommissioned off my own back, if you like, um, then it's often I might see a uh, I saw a tweet. Um, about um, a wonderful Victorian mathematician called Ada Lovelace. And it was sort of saying what a terrible mathematician she was and she's so overrated and blah, 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 blah. And you sort of, as a um, your heckles rise and you think, well, I don't know about that. And so you then go go on a, in a rabbit hole and look at um, different sources and, and uh, you know, I, and, I, that, and that sort of... Uh, when you get that feeling that actually there's something there that I, I need to 
to investigate a little bit or there is a or is something that is the right thing to do and we often we often um people talk about an itch that needs to be scratched or you know in terms of writing and I think you know when you read um when you read books or, or articles or even tweets you know they are somebody is is giving their their thoughts or their their opinions and you know you opinions we all love opinions but we need uh if we can I'm rambling now I'm really sorry no it's all right well I think I think part of what I hear you saying I can I can connect with what you're saying is uh it's almost this sense of writing a wrong or just bringing more knowledge to the world because it, it is very easy especially nowadays to go on the internet and to see an opinion that whether the opinion's right or wrong, it it can spark our own personal interest in something and it can lead to really, really great results. And I think that with your goal and purpose of being, bringing knowledge and sparking curiosity of, of children being, being a main focus, I don't think you're rambling at all. You're making a lot of sense to me. And I mean, I tend to, I tend to go on and on when I talk to you. So don't worry, but no, you're making a lot of sense. I think that because effectively you're just saying, Hey, here's this woman, Ada Lovelace, and she's maybe being a bit maligned. Well, maybe I should teach the children about her. Yes, That's what I'm hearing absolutely. you say. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, um, and of course, the more you find out about people and the more, um, uh, you, you know, the more incredible they become, um, because everyone's incredible and everyone has has these interesting stories. And I think although, you know, it's so much better than it used to be, I think um, as you know, women, we still need to be um, championing people from underrepresented backgrounds, including women in our in our work, um, especially for children, um, because it's, you know, it's 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 all for them, really. Is there anything else you'd like us to know about what you do? Well, it's interesting because um, I think there's a really important question which I mull over all the time with regard to to my work and the work of um, uh, all your your listeners who who might want to write historical fiction because plays are very much fiction and that is how true how historically accurate do I have to be? And it's a really, really knotty um, issue because we have, you know, controversies like, you know, The Crown, the uh, the series on Netflix where uh, people were concerned that uh, people would be um, misrepresented and they were still alive. And then other people were saying, oh, well, it's fiction. Everyone knows it's fiction. And, and then, um, uh, you know, you have... Uh, people who are saying that you know uh, you need to we need to concentrate on facts and we can't have empathy with people from a culture which is so alien to us you know these these Tudors went to watch bear fights for fun (laughs) Um, and and, and children were kidnapped to perform in in um, choirs Um, you know uh, but um and it's interesting because I was reading this wonderful book um it's, it's quite old now um Richard Evans lying about Hitler in which he he talks about this how incredibly important it is to there is such a thing as fake history and and that um you know truth is is so important and accuracy um 
And uh, and then, of course, there's the whole Shakespeare authorship uh, controversy, um, which was really, you know, since the Victorian times, I think maybe even earlier, um, Shakespeare's authorship has been uh, called into question. But more recently, people have been saying, hang on a minute, actually, uh, scholars like uh, Stanley Wells and um, Paul Edmondson and James Shapiro's fantastic book, Contesting, Contested Will, um, saying that truth matters. And so it's very important to me to consider really carefully, because, you know, I do have scenes in, in Bos Boudicca where people are fighting each other with handbags and um, people are uh, leaving messages for Emperor Nero on his answer phone. Um, so it, it's really difficult. It's, it's, it's a really interesting uh, thing to play with and to be aware of. Uh, and people will resolve that question differently. For me, it's a case of, silly is obviously silly and anything else is is fair game um but the important things dates people events are adhered to and not um uh tampered with in a way that would affect their their meaning or their outcome um and Boudicca comes back as a ghost at the end um, and says you know yes i i did die but my legacy was da 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 so um so, yeah, that's a really interesting question for me. But I don't think people should be put off by that. You will find your own way of uh, of dealing with that question. And as long as you do it with sincerity and you have that research and you put in that research and you have that empathy, then. Um, oh, and you and you make sure that you say what you're doing is fiction, uh, if it is, then why not go for it? What advice do you have for anyone interested in becoming a playwright? I think the first thing to do is have the mindset that if you want to be a playwright, you're meant to be a playwright, probably, because it means that you love the theatre, you love writing, you love plays. I would say hone your skill, because playwriting, like shipwriting or wheelwriting or um, cart writing, is a, a, is a craft. And don't beat yourself up if you're first, you read a first draft of something and you think, oh, no, that's really not what I wanted to write at all. Um, just keep hammering and chiseling away at the metaphor she says no keep keep going um and there's some wonderful wonderful resources um about uh, for playwriters for example i will email some books to to heather to um to sort of whet your appetite for playwriting because there are so many different approaches the other thing go to the theater any theater and uh like screenwriters do when they're watching TV, think about the mechanics, think about how it is structured, think about what the what the writer is trying to trying to convey to you, trying to get you to feel, trying to get you to question perhaps. And um, once you start looking behind the curtain and and seeing the mechanics, you'll better understand how you can get across what you want to say and what you're passionate about. How do we find you and your works? Oh, um, I have a website, um, which is not particularly uh, 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 technologically advanced, um, but it is rebeccalion.co.uk. And there are links to my um, my published work for children, uh, some of which are available um, to download along with performance lines, licenses at uh, artsonthemove.co.uk. And also... Um, I am available through my website for, for commissions, workshops, anything like that. Um, and um, 
yeah and I'm always hanging around on Twitter um for any friendly chat what's uh, your well. Twitter handle my Twitter handle because uh my name is Rebecca Lyon and I do like mayonnaise on a chicken sandwich it is Leonese and that's uh, Leon L-Y-O-N underscore N-A-I-S-E um yes <laughs> and we'll include links to that in the uh I can't think of the word in the bit below. <laughs> we'll include links so people can come find you. And one more question. So if you do workshops, can you do them over Zoom if anybody outside the UK is interested or maybe within the UK but far away? I I do. And this is the wonderful thing about the, um, that came out of the terrible thing that there was the pandemic. Um, our sense of connectivity and um, uh, togetherness, uh, though we may be, eras well maybe not eras not not just yet anyway but to certainly um, uh, miles apart excellent well thank you so much for joining us today this is rebecca lyon playwright historical playwright she specializes in children's plays and it has been wonderful to talk to you thank you thank you so much heather thanks for listening to this episode of the tudor's dynasty podcast you can follow and support the tudor's dynasty podcast on facebook Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Tudor's Dynasty.